welcome back to another episode of Growing Forward. It's a collaborative podcast between New Mexico Political Report and New Mexico PBS, where we take a look at cannabis in New Mexico. I'm Andy Lyman with New Mexico Political Report. And I'm Megan Kamrick, a New Mexico PBS correspondent and on-air host and reporter with KUNM. Today and I'm uh, Gary Johnson, ski bum uh, um, cyclist. I was just going to say, we're, we're kind of going back in time today. Uh, our guest today, as he just announced, is Gary Johnson, a former two-term governor of New Mexico. Uh, he left the Republican Party when he ran for president as a libertarian in 2012. He again ran for president as a libertarian in 2016, and then for U.S. Senate in 2018, also as a libertarian. Uh, but in his second term as governor back in 1999, uh, Johnson was criticized for his stance that cannabis should be fully legalized. Now, of course, pending a signature from current governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham, New Mexico is slated to do just that. So thanks for joining us today, Governor Johnson. <laughs> yeah, kind of good news, isn't it? I mean, that's uh, only uh, 20, 22 years, but hey, better now, better late than never, right? Yes, yeah, and, and we should be clear, um, there were lots of people at that time across the country calling for legalization, just not necessarily people in elected positions, uh, and more specifically, a governor. Uh, can you tell us what made you, at that time, kind of come out publicly to, to advocate for legalization and, and what you hoped the legislature might do with that message? Well, the recognition that at that time, half, and not that, it is, not that it's changed that much, but half of what we spend on law enforcement, the courts, and the prisons is drug-related, and what are we getting for that? And the recognition that this, these laws are terribly uh, discriminatory. And then the notion that um, I believe that, the, and this is what I said in 1999, that I believe legalizing marijuana will lead to less uh, overall substance abuse because people are gonna find marijuana as, uh, as such a safer alternative. So it was kind of a long shot, I think at the time, but was there any part of you that hoped that maybe you could get some Republican support, maybe even Democratic support at that time in the legislature to say, hey, maybe we should take a look at this? No, Andy, there was absolutely no, uh, I mean, everybody was throwing stones, everybody, uh, Democrats, Republicans, there was, uh, you know, uh, there was talk of Im impeachment. Uh, gee, you're gonna get impeached for voicing an opinion on a topic that you have, uh, you are an elected official and aren't you supposed to, get into office and do the things that you find out that uh, need doing and do them. So no, there was no chance whatsoever that this was going to go anywhere at the time. And I, I'm, you know, I wasn't naive at the time and I'm, uh, but at the time um, I did say that marijuana will be legalized. There's no question about it. The question is uh, how long will it take? You've previously said that you were an occasional consumer of cannabis. Is that still the case? Oh yeah, yeah. And I, and I also my whole life is uh, health and wellness. That's what my whole life is about. I haven't had a drink in uh, 34 years, um, but I do find marijuana as a much safer alternative. And for me, marijuana is health and wellness. I think one of the offshoots of legalizing marijuana in a state where it hasn't been legal is I think a lot of people um, comply with the law and have never used marijuana because it's been illegal. I think one of the big surprises is going to be because it's legal, people are gonna try it for the first time 
And I, I think the takeaway is going to be, what have we done to this point? Because this is pleasant. This is, this is a good thing. This isn't a bad thing. Why do you like to use cannabis? Do you use it for medical reasons or other reasons? Well, for the same reasons that someone would have a cocktail in the evening or a couple of cocktails to take the, to take the, uh, I don't know, the edge off the day. I think I'm in that category when it comes to marijuana. And I'll also say that, you know, the stories abound uh, from people who have used marijuana and said they've had a horrible experience. How much of that had to do with the fact that it was illegal and that you had to buy it uh, through the black market. I think a lot of those stories uh, come from back, back to the fact that it was, it was criminal. And because of that, people didn't use it. And um, that's going to change. It's so interesting you bring that up. It's such a cultural shift. People don't think twice about you know, saying, well, I came home, had a cocktail. You know, I mean, that's, that's such a normal thing in American culture for good or for bad. So um, you're seeing that maybe see a shift like that with cannabis. Well, and, and when people, this is my opinion, when people start to use cannabis on a more regular basis, they're going to stop, you know, opioid, when uh, opioid uh, addiction, when Trump, when Trump says, I'm challenging the pharmaceutical industries of America to come up with a, you know, uh, a non-addictive, effective uh, replacement for opioids. I'm screaming, it's here already, you know, cannabis. Um, and that's what people are going to find. People are going to find this as a much safer alternative than, uh, than opioids, uh, than alcohol, uh, than other drugs. And other drugs, what do other drugs have to do with? Well, the person that sells marijuana uh, also sells harder drugs. That's, that's the person you have to go to. That goes away when you, when you legalize marijuana and it's now available uh, at a store. And I also applaud, I really want to applaud the governor for calling a special session on this and, and getting it done. Um, I, I think that that was, um, I, I think that that was terrific. I applaud the fact that it's going to be a really cheap license to uh, produce or actually sell. Uh, I know that there are warts on everything. The wart on this bill seems to be uh, putting a cap on production. Uh, boy, that's, you know, but hey, uh, this, uh, this can be uh, remedied, this can be uh, amended in the future to take care of that issue. It's interesting you, you brought up that, that you praised uh, the current governor for doing that. Um, as, as a self-described uh, fiscal conservative, does it seem to you that the cost of the special session uh, is, is negligible when it comes to the cost of, you know, legalizing this substance? I do believe that, Andy. I absolutely do. And that and, you know, people ask all the time, well, gee, there's all this revenue from, uh, uh, you know, from the taxes. Well, forget about the revenue. Just think of the savings when it comes to law enforcement, the courts and the prisons. If the police can deal with real crime and real crime, definitionally speaking, that's when you do harm to somebody else. If you're doing arguably just harm to yourself by using marijuana, who cares? Who really cares? So uh, uh, Megan kind of brought this up uh, partway uh, as far as, you know, the stigma of, of 
using cannabis versus alcohol. You don't really see this with alcohol, but there's a, a long running stereotype that people who use cannabis are spacey or forgetful or maybe have no filter. And it seems to me you're kind of unfiltered anyway by nature. Uh, but I often hear, hear people <laughs> relate cannabis use to your comments in the news and interviews. Does it ever bother you that when these interview clips come out, people say, oh, he's just smoked too much weed? Well, uh, you know, okay, so this is where we've gotten to now. Uh, look, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite, and I never have been a hypocrite. When I ran for governor the first time and I admitted marijuana use, there were so many that wanted to know if I'd been in drug rehab and was I remorseful for my marijuana use? Come on. At the time, I said, look, I'm one of a hundred million Americans who've tried marijuana or used it, tens of millions that use it on a regular basis. You can criticize me for using it, but am I criminal? Uh, no. And then that's back to the discriminatory nature of the law to begin with. You know what? Uh, I'm caught with marijuana as a teenager growing up. I'm white. Um, I got a job. I'm going to school. I live in Albuquerque. Good chance just drive on down the road and don't do it again, as opposed to someone black uh, or of color, Hispanic, pulled over. The car smells of weed. Okay, we're going to put this guy through the ringer. And they do. And I don't want to fault law enforcement in any of this either. These are laws that needed to be changed. And of course, that is the law that we changed. I was talking to a, a congressional candidate uh, this cycle, uh, and she said that uh, she'd been in law enforcement her entire life. Look, um, you're not running for law. You're not running for sheriff here. You're running for Congress, and you're going to be put in a position to change laws that shouldn't exist, not to enforce laws that are, in fact, discriminatory and don't do any good whatsoever, do more harm than good. Speaking of law enforcement, we know Darren White, your former Department of Public Safety secretary, quit after you made that announcement about cannabis when you were governor. White has since changed his stance on cannabis and has a hand as a medical cannabis producer in New Mexico. But what are some of the other reactions that you got to your call for legalization? Well, uh, actually, it was a big surprise uh, when I called for legalization, not being naive. I don't think I'm naive. I really thought and this was a different time, 1999, that faxes, phone calls, emails, uh, letters to the governor. Uh, I thought that this was going to run like a 90 to 10 negative. I really did. And it turned out to be a 95 to 5 positive from all over the world. And the input from the world quadrupled overnight because of the stance that I took on marijuana. So I right off the bat recognized that, whoa, I'm talking about something that really needs to be talked about and nobody else is. Oregon has gone a step farther now, step further and decriminalized all drugs. And this is sort of opponents of legalizing cannabis bring up these things as kind of a worst case scenario um, in terms of opening the door to other things. But what do you think? Would you support a more lenient attitude to other drugs? Absolutely. And Megan, one of the things that I have said from day one 
is, is that, first of all, from day one, I said, all I am advocating for is the legalization of marijuana. But when we do that, um, we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to enlighten ourselves on drug policy, uh, drug laws, and eventually it will lead to decriminalization, legalization of all drugs. But that is probably not going to happen in my lifetime. Uh, but it's positive. I'm back to this. Look, if you're doing no harm to anyone, arguably other than yourself, why don't why why are you not allowed to live your life uh, with that freedom? But some people would say there is a harm to other drugs like opioids or harder drugs in terms of a public health crisis, in terms of what it does to our public health, our hospital system, to families. So I, I guess I'd like your get your thoughts on that. Well, uh, one of the things that I uh, dove into immediately, this was in 1999, was, you know, these statistics about uh, about hospital use and what have you. And I just came to find out that it's all totally bogus. The numbers are totally bogus. You know, they, they, the government still spends tens of millions of dollars to try and discredit uh, marijuana. And we're paying for that. We're, you know, we're living in a state now that it's legal, and yet the federal government is spending tens of millions of dollars to tell you don't use it, and that the har the harms associated with it. Uh, the government lies when it comes to drugs. Yeah, but we we clearly we've had an opioid crisis the last decade or more nationwide, right? From prescription opioids and heroin. I mean, well, and, and this is my point, Megan, is, is uh, marijuana is a viable alternative to opioids and will be and will reduce opioid use, as I think it's already been shown. So several years ago, you were a uh, principal of a cannabis company, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you divested when you ran for president in 2016. Is that correct? You know, it is. And, and part of that has to do with, uh, boy, the scrutiny that one undergoes to run for public office. I don't know why anybody would want to run for public office. And now I'm saying that after having done it so many times, but it's becoming more and more complex. And just the notion that I owned, uh, you know, shares in a cannabis company made national news and what those cannabis companies were. And it's really not fair to those cannabis companies to, uh, you know, whether they like it or not, to have my name associated with uh, with the stock that I may own uh, for their company. Right now, I am. Uh, my involvement in the cannabis industry is I am on the advisory board of a hedge fund out of New York that is strictly investing in publicly traded marijuana stocks. And it's kind of exciting and uh, probably not the place to talk about it right now. But, uh, you know, Canadian stocks are the stocks that are trading on the U.S. Uh, exchanges, New York, NASDAQ, the, you know, the upper tier uh, markets. And the U.S. stocks are not trading on those markets because uh, marijuana is still a class one narcotic, according to the federal government, which Biden has promised uh, to uh, to change. And uh, you have to believe that he will. Can I jump in for a minute on that? So there's a lot of clearly 
what you said, there are a lot of large business interests moving into the sphere or they have moved in. This was a concern that came up again and again in the debate here in New Mexico um, about how, is there a way to ensure that local smaller entrepreneurs, especially people who are from communities that were impacted by the war on drugs can get into this lucrative market? Will it be taken over by large corporate interests? And you know, I know you care about the economy in New Mexico, you're also more free market as a libertarian. So what do you think is the best route forward around those concerns? Well, uh, regarding those concerns, Megan, my concerns were is that they were gonna issue 10 licenses statewide for recreational marijuana and that that was the exact opposite of what they should do, which would be to open it up, make it very affordable to get licenses and they did that. So, um, you know, the things that you're talking about, limiting the production of, uh, of gro growing marijuana, um, I think that's going to have a negative impact on New Mexico competing with other states. Um, and I also, also, I always draw the comparison. Uh, would you drink, if you had the choice, would you drink uh, bathtub gin or Tangare gin? Probably Tangare, and that's a result of legalization and the refinement of these products. And the best products are the products that should survive. The fact that New Mexico uh, is gonna make it readily available for you or I to get in the business if we so choose, uh, you know, that was that was my concern at the onset of all this. And um, it, it didn't happen. They, they did make it very, very uh, affordable and easy. We'll see how easy it is. But, uh, you know, they made it affordable for any one of us to get into the business. Sort of sort of unrelated and to sort of put a bow on this this whole conversation. In, in 2016, you told me you were done running for office. And then in 2018, you ran for U.S. Senate. And at the end of that Senate run, you kind of joked to me when I asked you again that I caught you in a lie. So I have to ask now that we have you, uh, do you plan to run for office again? So, so here's where I've come to politically is, you know what, if I'm in, in an election and there are a hundred people that vote and five people say, no way, Gary Johnson, 95 says, great. I'm just wondering who those five are. How could they possibly disagree with me? So, no, nah, Andy, I'm, I, that's where I'm at. It's just, and it's just gotten worse and worse. And as a sidelight to the, that Senate run, do you, do you know that I had to spend $8,000 just to fill out the financial disclosure form to run for US Senate? And if that isn't restricting people who have means, who, who might be qualified for running for office, uh, I don't know what does. I think it was one of the U.S. senators who is a, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of wealth said that he spent, spends more on his Senate disclosure statement running for Senate than he makes as a U.S. senator. Well, former Governor Gary Johnson, thank you so much for, for joining us today. <laughs> well, and, th and thank you both. And Andy, thank you for your advocacy through all of this. Uh, you, you've been, you know, you've been a, been a good rudder through this whole process. And, uh, you know, maybe we should tap each other on the back here a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
This was another episode of Growing Forward, a podcast about cannabis in New Mexico. It's a collaboration between New Mexico PBS and New Mexico Political Report. You can find other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. I'm Megan Kamrick, a correspondent with New Mexico PBS and an on-air host and reporter with KUNM. My co-host is Andy Lyman with New Mexico Political Report. Our producers are Kevin McDonald and Bryce Dix. Our theme music is by Christian Bjorklund and our logo was created by Katherine Conley.